Oh, hey. How you doing there, Dave and Laurie? Didn't we have a great time on Saturday night? I mean, that was amazing. Thank you so much for inviting us out. Yeah, we were here. Well, Dave came late. He's always late. But uh, we were together for about two hours. And uh, we were praying. That's right. Here at the church, 10 to 12. And just had a wonderful time lifting up uh, our voices to God and asking for His favor. And uh, I want to thank you for being a part of that, as well as the rest of our prayer team who made that possible. Raise your hand. We had a 24-hour prayer vigil, and people prayed 15 minutes, a half hour at home or at church. But how many were a part of that and prayed? All right. Excellent. Excellent. Friends, prayer is the fuel of our Christian lives. And if we want to see things happen, if we want to see people come to Christ, if we want to see people's lives transformed, we want to see disciples being made, it all starts with prayer. Well, this morning I, I thought I'm getting tired of being up front. You know, I, you know I'll just stick back here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I met uh, a new one, new person next to me here. I won't tell you his name, but he's a great guy. All right. Well, friends, we've got Easter 2016 coming up, and uh, we're going to have our Good Friday service. Uh, Holy Week, of course, uh, we're celebrating, and that's going to be at 7 p.m. And it's going to be a memorable time. Some of you might remember five years ago when we saw different clips uh, from the Passion of the Christ. And so we'll be doing that again, and that really brings it home and helps us understand how much Jesus uh, suffered. And I just hope you can be with us. It's so important to celebrate and remember the death of Christ and his resurrection. And, of course, on Easter, we're meeting at 9 and 11 as usual, but we're going to have a lot of guests. So what do we want to do on Easter? Well, first of all, we need to pray. We need to pray that God would work, especially in people's hearts, and draw them to himself. And Then we need to park as far away from the church as possible, right? Far, far, far away. So our guests can get the best seat, uh, best uh, parking places up front. And we also want to sit as far as we can in the front, right? Because we want, we want to leave these seats, the good seats, and back open. So that, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, that, that people feel comfortable uh, back here. Now, Dave and Lori, I thought you were a little more spiritually mature than this. And... Uh, yeah, Rockies. Yeah, what are you guys doing? Huh? I mean, you've been going. You're sitting in the last row. You've been here forever, and you're sitting in the last row. Come on, man. It, I need support up there. I'm looking at a bunch of empty chairs. So please, please for me, just sit right up in the first row, second row. You guys wouldn't be able to handle the first row, so you sit in the second row, okay? And anybody who wants to encourage me in that way, sit right up front. Because I like to see people and, and obviously interact uh, with them. Well, our, our vision, Springbrook's vision, is reaching and building followers of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about reaching followers of Jesus Christ. Again, we want to review our 
mission statement that God gave us for the church, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we noted that this is interesting that this came before the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here he's giving this very, very important responsibility to each of us and every church to make disciples. And he starts out with saying, hey, I'm in charge. I'm the CEO. I've got all the power. uh, And I'll be with you. Don't you be worrying about making disciples. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. And, of course, we talked about the fact that make disciples is the main command in that verse. Make disciples. And that is each of our responsibility. Uh, Who you are, where you're from, whatever, that's your responsibility. If you are a Christ follower, then there are three other things we want to do as we're making disciples. We want to be going, right? We want to moving ahead uh, as we make disciples, wherever they might be. And we want to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I challenged you guys last week uh, that if you haven't been baptized as a Christ follower, that is a command. And God wants you to do that. And uh, you can please Him by doing that. And I know there's a lot of fears in relationship to that. But at the same time, you have at least until December to work those fears out. <laughs> uh, talk to people. Let's, let's again see more and more people taking that step uh, to identify with Christ and His church. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that's what our church is always doing. Teaching all ages the truths of Scripture. Now, I want to do a little bit of a survey here about when people came to Christ. Alright, so you're going to have to help me with this. What age did you become a, become a Christ follower? So I'd like everybody to stand up who came to Christ before they were 13. Okay? Just stand up. Mm. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Got our seniors over here. Walk with Christ all these years. Thank you for your example. Yeah. Before they were 13 years old. Hard to believe we were 13 at one point. But... Uh, <laughs> All right, thank you so much. And then the next thing we see is before 18. Okay, now, I want you to stand if you came to Christ between, uh, let's say, 14 and 17. Okay? All right. Quite a few again. Aren't you glad you said yes? Huh? Aren't you glad that God brought you early into his family? Between 18 and 21, why don't you stand up? 18 and, hey, there he is, Mark. And that, 18 and 21. All right, thank you. Then, how about after 21? Why don't you guys stand up if you came to Christ after 21? Hmm. Praise God. Uh, we celebrate 
you're being a part of the family. You may be seated. Now, what we did in the first service is we actually counted people and did the percentages, and they came out pretty similar. 43% of the people before the age of 13 became a Christ follower. And if you go up to 18, it's 64%. So, okay, we're thinking about strategy here in ministry. Okay, what is the best way that we can make an impact on the kingdom? How can we bring the most people into the kingdom? And what's the answer? What? Yeah, right, children. That's where the action's at. That's when our minds are malleable and uh, when, when God can really speak to us in a, in a different way. I mean, at any age. A 75-year-old come to Christ the other day. Uh, but at any age. But again, naturally, this is what we see. So if we are a disciple-making church, we should really pay a lot of attention to those kids. Because sometimes we look at those kids and say, oh, yeah. You can't imagine, imagine them growing up. But if you've been here a long time at Springbrook, I've seen a lot of kids grow up. And they became Christ followers here. I became a Christ follower when I was five uh, through uh, my mom and dad and the church uh, that we were at. I claimed the, the good news of Christ. And I asked for his forgiveness, asked him to be my Savior, and I committed my life to him. So we, we saw up here earlier Dave and Tammy Ashburn, and they have given so much of their time to this age group. They really have done an amazing thing for God through Springbrook. But now they're leaving. And we have other spots to fill in Kid City. So if you're thinking strategically, you say, okay, where can I get the most leverage? Where can I you know, really make a difference in a person's life? I mean, a person's life, their whole life. Where should it be? And where should it be? It should be in Kid City, right? In Awana. And friends, we need more people in Kid City. Sometimes, you know, people say, well, I don't want to babysit. And we don't babysit. We, we teach the kids. Uh, and it's just not my thing. But these are the most open people. These are the people that we need to do our best with to catch them in that age period. And that means if we're a team, a disciple-making family, that we're going to put a lot of resources, which we do, in Kid City. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not involved in Kid City, especially if you have a child in Kid City, I think it's important to be involved there as well. But you have your insert uh, for our message. And uh, I grab that for a second. Thank you so much. Uh, great to have you guys. Uh, yeah, if you look at the back, you'll have uh, who, uh, let's see, response, name, and email. And then circle those uh, that apply. So you would circle Kid City Volunteer and just put your name and email down, and we would love to call you and just tell you more about the ministry. You don't have to commit to it or anything like that, but friends, let's think strategically as a team. Where do we get the most investment? Well, it's with our children. And it changes their entire life, right? I mean, you look, our seniors over here, they came to Christ under the age of 13. 
And, you know, it's like 70 years, 60 years. Think about that. Making an impact on a child's life from the beginning to almost uh, to the end. That's really important. Thanks so much. Also, uh, our teens. That's another critical uh, group. You see about a 21% uh, come from the ages 14 and 18. They become Christ followers. And what does that say to us? Where should we be putting our resources? That's right. With our, our teens. Our teens need to know Jesus. And it's more challenging to grow up today than in any other period, I believe, in the United States. It's more confusing. There's more information. There's more sin that is encouraged than ever before. And we need to be there for our kids and teenagers. Well, they're fun, right? You hang out with them. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of energy and and it's interesting, we only have two men that are serving in our teen ministry. Now, we have average attendance about 450, and only two men have stepped up to help out. Is that you want to use, Bill? Yep, Bill's one of them. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that shouldn't be, okay? If we're a disciple-making family, we should have like five guys in there modeling what the Christian life is because during that period, that's the most formative period in terms of how a person lives out their Christian life. So I would love to have some of you men step up. You can circle it on the insert, and we'll be collecting those as you leave today. Uh, But uh, please be praying with us because the kids that need it the most We've got to put our best people in there in order to help them to know what it means to be, for example, like a Christian man. Coming out to a junior high, senior high thing, and they're a Christ follower, they're going to look to you to set the example. Uh, It also talks a lot about the fact of your kids. When's the most important time for your kids to be learning about the Lord? Well, again... Under age 13, right? So we have Wana, And we just encourage you to make that a priority because that's the one thing you can do that's going to make a tremendous difference 30 years later in your kid's life. If your kid is walking with Jesus Christ and has a sound biblical foundation, I mean, I've seen it over and over and over again. When that wasn't laid, uh, boy, that's why it's so important that you take advantage of these ministries and help out. All right, how many of you came to church through the invitation of a friend? Raise your hand. Right, raise them high. Okay. All right. Well, who would like to share how that went down? How did you get invited? Who's over here? I saw hands up. I know I saw hands up. Okay. I had a very interesting childhood of. A friend invited me to go to church with her when I was eight years old. I don't even know how I met this gal. But she invited me to go, and her parents picked me up every Sunday to take me to Sunday school. And then they brought me back home after Sunday school, so I didn't really stay for the church service. But apparently I I accepted Christ, but I don't remember that. 
And the only reason I remember it at all is because the church asked my parents. <laughs> the church asked my parents if they could have permission to baptize me. At that time, my parents weren't Christians. I had not been going to church anywhere. And so they pulled me out of the church, and they wouldn't let me go to church anymore. And unbeknownst to me, this gal that had invited me to church prayed for me every day until I finally came, to, because of her, to a high C group in um, a homes when I was 13 years old. So from the ages of 8 to 13, wow. um, I was lost and yeah. getting deeper into sin. Wow. And then because of her praying for me every day and inviting me, I came to the Lord and really dedicated my life to Him at age 13. Amen. Isn't that great, huh? So there was one uh, little girl who cared so much for you that she continued to pray for you. She continued to uh, seek you out and encourage you, even though your parents were negative toward it. And then five years later, you came, and you became a Christ follower. The question is, what if that little girl hadn't been around, right? Yeah. And, and Friends, wherever you live, uh, whatever job you go to, you're put there to make disciples. You're put there to be a light, to show people what life is like uh, living Jesus with Jesus Christ. That's great. And notice a prayer. Prayer is so important uh, when we talk about um, reaching people for Christ. And sometimes it's the only thing we can do uh, because people are uh, sometimes very stubborn. <laughs> they don't want to become a Christ follower. But we keep praying and praying and praying and, and then we see God work. All right, who else was invited out to church by a friend? Anybody around? Just raise your hands. Yeah, I saw hands before. Come on. I'm not dumb, okay? All right? Now, don't be go, you go hiding your hand. Get, get that hand out. All right. Karen. I think we moved from the city to the suburbs, and we attended, I think, once or twice, this little Bible church. And one summer day, the parents and all four of their kids pulled up in front of our house in their station wagon and said, can Karen go to camp with us? And my parents, don't ask me why, but they said, sure. So we rolled up a bedroll, <laughs> threw some clothes in a bag, and off I went to Bible camp. All right. That's where you became a Christ follower? No. Oh. oh. Okay, later on. But that started the process. I mean, things like that, you know. I encourage it. Send your kids to summer camp. Oh, it's a great experience. Camp Awana. There are other camps around. And, and then invite the neighbor to go with them. Isn't that a great thought? Because, again, a lot of people. How many of you came to Christ uh, under 18 and your parents, you know, they didn't, weren't associated with Christ? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah. Many times, of course, in a Christian home, it naturally happens. And that's the beauty of a Christian home. But we need to be continuing to bring in neighbors and whoever else might attend. It's interesting, uh, when Jesus Christ was ministering, uh, it was an interesting uh, person who invited 
someone to get to know him was a Samaritan woman. Remember that? They went through Samaria. They hated Samaria. Jesus said, hey, go get some lunch, guys. And they said, oh, we hate this place. (laughs) And the Samaritan woman, and she was looked down upon in the village because she had uh, several relationships, and the current relationship was outside of marriage. And uh, he told her all about her life. And so what did she do? What did she do? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? What a wonderful invitation, right? And they followed her and may became Christ's follower. It's interesting when you look at the statistics. 82% of the unchurched or at least someone likely, somewhat likely to attend church if invited. Wow. 82%. Do you believe that, Roger? I do believe that. You do believe that. 82%. That's a lot of people. It says, hey, you know, 8 out of 10 people are going to, you know, have show some interest in church. They're not going to spit it on you. They're not going to hit you. They're not going to swear at you. <laughs> no. Yeah. I guess I go sometime. <laughs> and the great thing about our postcard here is that uh, it's really geared toward after uh, see, after Easter. Uh, it's all about building stronger families. And it's a nice long postcard, so that brings more attention to it. And we talk about a series here on building stronger families. Uh, what's the family for? How to restore harmony in the home, raising kids without raising your blood pressure, and hope for hurting parents. And they advertise Kid City and VBS and Awana. Now, this is a wonderful piece of uh, advertising that you can give out. And I encourage you to invite people out through this card. You know, go door to door with neighbors that you know and invite them out or whoever you know. Get this in their hands. Now, you have one or two, but in our atrium area, uh, we have a lot more. And so, boy, I tell you, uh, take some more and just ask the Lord for where you uh, should put them. In fact, also on the green sheet, uh, we have uh, promotion. So if you're interested in helping us this week, get the signs out at uh, the strategic corners as well as uh, to put these in stores and things like that. Could you circle promotion uh, promotion on your green sheet? Uh, I will pr- turn those in at the end. Also, another oh, – no, i got to go on with this. Okay, so 82%. Hey, I'm ready to go if you ask me. But only 2% of church members – Invite an unchurched person to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. Wow. So let's think about this. 82% of the people out in your neighborhood, in your life, they would probably come if you invited them out. But only 2% of the evangelical church is inviting them out. Now, why is that? That doesn't make any sense, does it? If these people would 
You want to try it out? Well, let's just keep asking and asking and asking and asking until the Lord works in their heart because they show interest. But we're just sitting here and, why is that? Why is it we don't invite people out to church? Roger, I'll go back to you, man of wisdom. Why is it that people don't invite people out to church? I think fear and anxiety might be a part of that. I think so. Fear and anxiety. Yeah. Fear and anxiety about what? Fear and anxiety about, about being rejected, possibly. Yeah. <clears throat> the person just laughing at them or just saying no way, and then maybe ending yeah. a friendship because of that. Yeah, that's right. That could be part of it. Not knowing the answers. Absolutely. If they're asked yeah. a question, theological question, yeah. sometimes churchgoers tend to believe, I know I do sometimes, like, okay, you go to church every Sunday, so you must memorize the Bible. Well, no, I don't, unfortunately. So You um, don't? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't have memorized, so I don't have all the deep Everybody else questions. does. But yeah. yeah well. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that might be a part of it as well. So. I think you're right on, Roger. And this is why we need to grow in this area of evangelism. If we really are going to see 52 people come to Christ this year and more, we've got to pray and we've got to go and put ourselves in those relationships and encourage people to come out to church or whatever type of Christian event it might be. Invite them over with some other uh, Christians. That's what's got to happen. Another thing you do is you can put up this beautiful sign Celebrate Easter at Springbrook. How many of you have these in your garage? Anybody have them in the garage? Has anybody put them out yet? Oh, good. Excellent. Well, friends, this is a very powerful way to let people know about what's happening at Springbrook and that we are an inviting church. Now, can anybody think of any reason why they would not Put this sign in their yard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Who else here? All right. Some people have associations for their home that they can't break those rules. They can't put up signs. Well, that's when you take the sign and put it in somebody else's yard. That's easy. Uh, who else here? What do you think? That, you know, one of the main reasons might be is that you don't want other people to know that you're a Christ follower, right? Because if you put this thing out in the yard, what are people going to think of you? Some Jesus freak? Some, some Bible, Bible person who who is strange, uh, somebody who needs a crutch to get by in life. You think there might be some of us who feel that way, that if I put this thing out, man, I'm telling everybody I'm a Christ follower and identify with Him. And whatever weird things you want to think about me, you can go ahead and do that because Jesus Christ says, Blessed are the persecuted. That was Phil Gannison. Didn't you guys have graffiti on yours? Somebody had graffiti on theirs. What's that? Oh, okay. You got to tell us about this. It's a good story. Right. <laughs> You're not a Blackhawks fan, are you? No. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, but uh, I'm moving with my folks right now, and they, you know, if you know my parents, they're very, 
very devout to this church, and uh, they would the first one they brought uh, it wound up just getting knocked over. We put it back up. It wound up getting vandalized. My parents came, told Pastor Dan about it, gave them another one, put it back out. They straight up just took it. And uh, my parents just kept, they were they were very, just kept getting more and more and more, and they just, they kept fighting back. And uh, Did they electrify it? That's a great idea. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, you know, the lightning from God. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, just... But isn't that great, really? Because they're saying we're Christians, and other people say we don't like your message, so we're going to tear your your sign down, and we're going to destroy it. That's persecution for Christ. In fact, you say I'm not being persecuted for Christ. Well, put a bunch out in your yard, your neighbor's yard, and you will be persecuted for Christ, right? Yeah, put it out there, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, excited. I really would like everyone to take one. Uh, that hasn't yet had one, and let's get this news out. We got one week until Easter. All right, there's our our postcard going out to 40,000 homes. But most importantly, put in your hands, inviting friends out. Who is the person who brought you to Jesus? Okay, I mean, there's many different people that impact a person's. Uh, you know, coming to Christ. You get seven different touches. But who is the one person that really stood out? Is Deb Wambos here or was she in the last service? In the last service, okay. All right. So who is that person? Oh. All right, Chrissy. My seventh, uh, I was seven years old, and it was the first time I heard the gospel because my dad was 42 when he came to faith. And so going to Sunday school um, and hearing what the teacher said, I remember praying the prayer at seven. So it was was my Sunday Sunday school school teacher. teacher. Yeah, wow. That's a wonderful thing when you're back in Kid City and some child uh, wants to make that decision. Who else? What other person? Okay, Jerry. today. That's right, you know it. Uh, my sister, uh, we were both raised in a major denomination, and uh, she was saved, and she started having Bible studies, and she started sharing with Dan and I, and she gave us a prophetic book that was saved through the Lake Lake Canada, because we started thinking that this stuff's really in the Bible. Started reading that, and she was sharing, you know, different things with us, tracts and so forth. And, of course, the big thing, praying for us. And uh, she had five children. She lived under the Lord. Uh, She's just been such a spiritual witness for the Lord, uh, such an ambassador. And to this day, uh, it's interesting. We call her our spiritual mama (laughs) because she she shared with us. And uh, uh, it's just so fantastic what an opportunity to to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our King of Kings, and uh, we just thank God for her. Oh, thank you for testifying, Jerry. That's great. Who brought you to Jesus? Keep thinking about this question, okay? And and uh, think about somebody outside the family. I mean, those are beautiful stories. But again, 
uh, we're really moving out with the gospel and we move outside our family and uh, encourage others to come to Christ. Uh, now, this is talking about Andrew when he had met Jesus. And what are the first thing he did? He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And again, he brought his brother to Jesus. Another question is, what are gospel seeds you planted in other people's lives? I mean, lifestyle evangelism is when you love a person to Jesus. And you just spend time with them, answer questions, just have a natural relationship. And then hopefully in that context, uh, you can share your faith and they will respond. Has anybody experienced that before, whether you've been the one loving that person or that person loved you to Jesus? Oh. Um. <clears throat> The Lord has given me the gift of mercy, which always, you reach out to older people, and it seemed like I've always had an older woman in my life that um, God has enabled me to really have an impact on their life. One of them was my neighbor behind me. Uh, she was the same age as my mother. My mother lived in another state. I became very close to Vicki, and she had cancer really bad, and uh, God allowed me to share the gospel with her, to lead her to Christ, to help her through that period when she was really ill, dying. And um, her kids asked me to share something at the funeral when she did die, and, and I was able to do that. So that was really awesome, and she was like a second mother to me. And then my friend Vivian, <clears throat> another older gal I worked with at the jewelry store, and uh, I would always talk about prayer and the Lord, and you know she never said much. And she fell and broke her hip, and I went to the hospital to see her, and I brought a book, and I found out she lived two blocks away. So we started continuing that relationship, and I, she was also Catholic like I was, and or, and so she, we had Bible studies together, and we're still. She's in her 90s, <laughs> and she's moved away, but we're, you know I, I call her, and so those were. Two great opportunities yeah. for me. Wonderful things. Well, next, uh, we are going to move uh, to who are you praying to Jesus? Who are you putting before the Lord on a daily basis and asking that they uh, would come to Him? Now, what I want you guys to do at this time is to take the sticky note that you have on your bulletin. You got a sticky note there? All right, and take out a pen. We did this before a couple weeks ago, and write your name down. Write your name down, and then write the name or names of people that you're praying would come to Jesus underneath that. You don't have to put the whole name, however you want to designate it. Okay. So what we're going to ask you to do in a moment is we're going to ask you uh, to put these up on the white sheets on either side of the auditorium. And then what we want you to do is to take two away because we have some extras up there. And so you put your sticker up there and then you take two stickers. 
that you will pray for this week. They pray that God would break into their life in an amazing way. We're all going to stand up. Everybody stand up. And uh, let's just go uh, to the sides here and put yours on and then take two off to pray for. And if for whatever reason you didn't get a post-it note, just write your name and that person's name on the wall. Father, I want to thank you for the evangelistic passion of our people. I pray that you would build it even stronger in all of our lives. Help us to take these uh, sticky notes and, and pray over them. Pray for the person who uh, is asking the person and also the person that uh, is being asked. Thank you that you've given us a tremendous privilege to be ambassadors of Christ. In your son's name.